Welcome everybody to another episode of Need Some Introduction. In today's episode, we will be discussing the season finale of Succession Season 3, All the Bells Say. Before we get to that, as usual, make sure you subscribe so you know when our episodes become available. I've seen a whole bunch of new subscribers, so maybe reminding everybody to subscribe is exciting. Is helping you to remember to subscribe. So, of course, that's the best way to know when we have new content available. I should make a better point of reminding everybody, since I don't always do this uh, intro part. Uh, reach out to us, need some introduction at gmail.com. Uh, we will also, I will be recording with Sona right now, right after this session, our conversation about the latest episode of Dexter, which I thought is taking the show in a very interesting direction. So if you haven't caught up on Dexter, I suggest you watch that. Dexter New Blood, it's called, this new version of it. Check out those podcasts when they become available. After our discussion of this week's episodes, we will be talking about, or maybe just me by myself, depending on how much time Sona has, talking about <laughs> what we will be planning to cover now that succession's over what do we have in store for the future we will obviously continue to recap dexter but you may want to get ready for the next show we'll be covering and i'll discuss that after this uh conversation i have no doubt peter that you will never be bored in the brief time that you're married that's uh but in all seriousness there is no one like my mom and you're a lucky guy and I am jealous of the time that you get to spend with her. I hope that your marriage is as rich and happy, rewarding and fulfilling as mine. So here's to uh, the bride and groom. The bride and groom. All right, Sona. So to get started with this episode, I thought rather than doing like a whole moment by moment breakdown of the episode, considering we're really at the end of it here, I think it might be better to discuss some of the things thematically that happened in the show and, and maybe just start from the the end almost in a way and, and step backwards from there just as a little introduction I, I i don't think you've seen this on but i wanted to recommend it out there i literally just watched the power of the dog on netflix this weekend mm -hmm, i don't think i know it it was like number one on netflix for a moment i don't think general audiences are going to like this movie by the way but it's uh probably going to be nominated if not win best picture this year and it's a western by Jane Campion, who directed- uh, I'm out. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised, Sona, you'd be surprised. And this is the reason I mentioned it, that uh, I'm gonna do a whole deeper dive on that story when we cover Dexter, because that's gonna be my sociopath of the week. <laughs> it's going to be the lead character in that movie, uh, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, who gives a great performance. But uh, the reason I brought it up here is because can't help but correlating these two things, watching them so close together. That is also a story where you're watching one story, but there's actually a different story that's all being laid out right in front of you. <laughs> and you're not paying attention to it until the very end. Mm -hmm. And the uh, same thing happens here. And maybe the same thing has been happening this whole entire season. So what's your general impression of this episode before we uh, get into the specifics? Well, I think we were paying attention to it, though, if, at least if we're thinking of the same thing, right, about what is going on in this marriage and right. how disinterested can somebody be in a serious trauma that their spouse is right. undergoing and begging them to pay attention to. All of these things do have consequences. So, you know, maybe not now, maybe not tomorrow, but it all does come around eventually, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and I think there's two things there. I absolutely think that Tom is one of them, right? And uh, just to lay it out there, I assume everybody's watched this episode at this point and we're all thinking the same thing. But the finale of the episode is that Tom betrays Shiv and, uh, you know, this whole entire uh, season, like you said, Sona, we actually have been paying attention to this, but I feel like I've been talking about Greg being maybe the guy who's always in the room, who's, That's you know, true. not making power plays, right? By the way, always correlating Greg and Tom together, but yes. I myself am ignoring Tom the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> And there are all these sketchy things that you can think about. There's the conversation he has when he first offered himself up as a sacrificial lamb to mm -hmm. Logan. And then he's on the phone with the lawyer. We still don't know the details of that. I think even in one of the earlier episodes, I mentioned, I hope that he is like feeling out these characters and he's not just plain faced in his actions as he appears to be. Is that the case or not? I always kind of give him the, didn't give him the benefit of the doubt saying like, no, he's just, um, He's just in love with her, which he was. I think he still is, possibly. I took his actions at face value, and it uh, turns out, no. Like, I think he probably was, indeed, feeling these things out and making his plays, and he's probably just smart enough 
to not share them with anybody else because he knows he can't trust any of them. And I think also, um, in a way, maybe at a certain point, I don't think initially, but at a certain point, it turned to testing her, right? Yes, of yes. Like, I personally am a very big fan, and this probably says something very twisted about my personality, about like giving someone enough rope to hang themselves. Yep. And I do it at work often where I've spotted something fundamentally wrong with someone's work, but instead of saying you did this wrong, let's fix it. I'll say, do you really think that? Have you considered X? If you're really paying attention, you'd say like, why is she asking me this question? Right. Probably because there's something that I need to consider there. Depending on the personality type, many people will just double down. Say like, yep, I'm sure. And then you're like, okay, well, you forced my hand. Now I have to call you out on it. Like you could have saved face a little bit and fixed your work yourself. Now I've got to fix it for you. And it's kind of, I think maybe the same thing. Like at a certain point, the questions turned. Do you really not care about me? Let me see. Let me ask you this. Do you really not care this might happen? And she failed every single time. (laughs) Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. She failed across the board. And if he was testing her, you know, like I mentioned before, I was like, oh, he's just offering his belly. Now in retrospect, once again, that's why I correlated to that other movie I, I brought up in retrospect. That these work tests, when he's saying like, let's have a kid, it's an, another way of him saying, prove your loyalty to me, prove yeah. that we're in it in some way. And she's like, nope. You know, and these were all things that we laughed at at the time, but no, he was serious about him. And, and, you know, she faces the consequences of her actions. I mean, she made it crystal clear to him that in the end, they are not a team. Like right. the end, he is in it alone. If he wants to go along with her, that's his option that she is granting him, she's not going to look out for him. He has to look out for himself. The second thing I wanted to bring up, which is, again, a little magic trick they pulled off here. It's not only Tom that I think about the story they've been telling, what's happening and what is actually happening. I just thought about this like literally minutes before we started recording, but it's the fact that it's Logan also. How many times in this season have I talked about how crazy it is that Logan is so caught off in this family BS? He's potentially not keeping his eye on the ball with, you know, what's happening with the business itself and the reality that the business is going down and, you know, he's losing power uh, and the stock price is going down and people have multiple near misses for taking over the control of the company, et cetera. And I'm like, I can't believe he's just tied up in this family business. And what I just realized was now in retrospect, that I think about it, we're never in Logan's POV. Our POV characters are the kids. So it's not that Logan is caught up with this family dynamic. It's the kids are caught up in this family dynamic. So he's probably completely right to not trust them at all because they can't get past this crap. How can he trust them to run this business? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they just expected that they were going to be handed this thing. <laughs> Apparently, that's not what happened, right? Logan is going taking his exit. He's taking what Madison offered him to say, you know, here you go. I'm going to offer you a very pretty price. I'm going to allow you to keep all your prestige and your your ego is uh, stoked. He does the right thing. He, he knows how to play Logan in this regard. And Logan's like, hey, great. Like, wh- how much longer do I have? Like all these things I said that Logan's not paying attention to. He probably was paying attention to all of this. And he's thinking that this is the practical decision to make. And once again, I do, I get where Logan's coming from and I don't disagree with that. I think he's doing the right thing. Listen, it's not like he's acting like they're leaving. He's leaving them penniless and destitute out on the street corner. They're going to have gazillions to their name. All he's screwing them out of is that ownership of the company and the power that comes with that. They and the many generations after that will be taken care of. They have no worries. You know, and he's saying, hey, I'm running a business. You got to know when to cut your losses and move on. The time has come. I think from his view, listen, clearly I don't trust any of these three to fix the problem that I have. (laughs) Right. What can I do to fix the problem that I have? Get out while the getting's good. That is a wise business decision. Right. Once again, not that we know anything about this in the real world, but to correlate this to the real world, I try to add at least some kind of context here to to folks who are listening. Not that Madison actually correlates to Disney, obviously. Madison correlates to somebody more like, almost like an Elon Musk character, but the technology he has is more like a Netflix, something like that. So this he doesn't correlate to anything in the real world, I should say. However... Uh, you know, since the template for this whole show is really the whole dynamic within the Rupert Murdoch family, we all own Disney Plus. If you are a parent, you must have Disney Plus. And you've probably noticed that everything that's from Fox, 20th Century Fox, like The Simpsons, for example, all their TV shows, Avatar, you know, the, the Star Wars movies, everything Star Wars, which, which is a 20th Century Fox property, 
is all on Disney Plus because what happened was News Corp sold off their IP to Disney and they kept just the newspapers and their cable channels. So we're seeing this same dynamic play out here, Rupert Murdoch downsized. And once again, we don't know what happened inside the family, but just like a week before uh, this sale went through to Disney, one of the, the, the siblings, one of the oldest um, son, who was kind of like the heir apparent to the family business, had made an announcement saying that this was right during the election cycle. The news business was getting too toxic. It was getting too divisive. Basically, they were going to sell off their news assets and only be a content provider for the future. And then, of course, a week later, <laughs> the exact opposite thing actually ended up happening. So not to say that this is a one-to-one -one correlation, but there were some problematic discussions going on internally in there as well. So, And that's kind of what we're seeing here, a much exaggerated, fictionalized version of that dynamic. So that's a little context for that. But in that regard, that, yeah, I think that you're right, that, you know, Logan is making a, a pragmatic choice. And, uh, and I feel like I have been judging him throughout the season as not being pragmatic. I have a lot of criticisms about his behavior in this episode, by the way. But to uh -huh. your point, as far as making business decisions, he's, Listen, he's making... still a monster. I'm not saying he's oh, not a monster. Right, right. <laughs> but still to that point, he's still making business decisions. He is making business decisions. These kids are not making business decisions. And he knows that. And that's probably why they shouldn't be in charge of things. Oh, but one thing I was going to push back slightly on what you were saying is that I agree that they're pretty set up in some way, but I honestly think there has to be some way he is controlling their stock because if they could just sell their stock and cash out, they would have done that. Connor, for example, last year when he wanted to put the stage show on, he basically asked his dad that he needed another $100 million. So he's literally going to his dad and asking for money, right? Because, and I'm pretty sure if they had access to their stock, which I'm sure the dad would probably not allow them to just liquidate their stock because it would, they probably have a, a substantial amount of it if they liquidated it all. And he, I don't think he would trust them <laughs> with that amount of control over the stock of the company. So yes, in some way, they're always going to be taken care of, but he is still controlling their purse strings, right? Interesting. Okay. I will consider that. But to your point, it's not like they're going to be impoverished, right? Like any one of mm -hmm. these people can go get a job that pays a decent salary. And he throws it right out there to them, by the way. I love that. <laughs> Towards the end of the episode, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll circle back around to it anyway. But when they said, oh, what do you want? Another $5 billion to put on top of your other billions? And he goes, yeah, that's what I want. And they're like, <laughs> what are we supposed to do? And he goes, go make your own piles. And I don't necessarily disagree, by the way. Same. You know how I feel about it. <laughs> right. That being said... <laughs> He is a total baby when uh, Shiv confronts him and he imitates her. You're playing toy fucking soldiers. Go on. Fuck off. I have you beat, you morons. Well, no, because you need a supermajority. Oh, well, no, because I need a supermajority. Please. Please? Please. The seat sniffer gets a fucking leg up. That's a deal. What have you got in your fucking hand? What have I got? I don't know. Fucking love? Love? You come for me with love. Dad, why? Why? Because it works. I fucking win. Oh, go on, go on, fuck off. You nosy fucking pedestrians. So really not the most mature behavior to say that they obviously have all these interpersonal issues, but we see right there where they all came from. <laughs> That's right. So. Well, between that and the mom put together. Yeah. <laughs> oof, oof. Then the mom betraying them like, wow, uh, what a, <laughs> oh boy. So, so what's your read on that, by the way, the specifics of it? I mean, you know, it's kind of vague what they're describing there. But it looks like she negotiated, the mom had negotiated in the divorce that the kids, we already touched this on this in the very last episode, right? That she had negotiated some kind of power that they have where they can veto a change of ownership. So if this had been even a 50-50, they really wouldn't have this veto power. But since it's an actual acquisition, they can actually put the brakes on. So this was actually pretty smart that her lawyer or she herself asked for this you know, veto power. It looks like she is still the one who controlled that lever, right? So then he was able to, since that condition was in the prenup, 
they've basically rewritten the prenup. And it turns out it's purely so she could keep that apartment she likes so much. But, yes. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. These people who are like in their 80s, right? She's probably younger. She's probably in her 70s. You know, I, I want my comforts. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. I mean, and again, like going back to the other thing also, like what is going on with your money? I'm sure she yeah. has a great settlement. Like, can't she just buy another place? I, I don't know. There are some questions here as to why certain things are so important to other people, but whatever. Let's go with it. I don't mind. <laughs> well, I mean, partially, I think that I wonder, we're only seeing her in the context of this relationship with Peter, but I wonder if she's been similarly in relationships where she seems to be the type of person to say he handles the money thing and they might have wiped her out in the past. And she had to kind of come asking for assistance from Logan in the past. Logan might have her on a relatively short leash so that he, she does have to come for him, you know, to, for that Maybe. money on a regular basis, which I can imagine that he would still want that level of control. Another possibility too is, you know, I, you just look at how she's living with this um, villa being rented out for this wedding and everything. She's in some kind of royal family. That doesn't mean she's rich though, right? And if she's trying to live at that level, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in total may not be enough to, you know, live on. Maybe. But I mean, plenty of people who are very, very rich somehow figure out a way to burn all their money. So Fair enough. The next thing I find interesting is that here we see finally the kids are all united for the first time, right? First, they rally around Kendall. And I guess we should just get that out of the way too. I was a little annoyed by this, to be honest with you. So we're trying to figure out last week, everybody, the discussion. And by the end of the week, by the way, everyone decided Kendall's dead. It's over. Right? So I was very I know, surprised. At least we were on the right side of that one. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But I was a little surprised because I honestly thought it was even more minor than what we end up seeing there, where it basically looks like it was a suicide attempt. So either intentionally or inadvertently, we probably are right with the psychology of it. He's putting his face underwater to try to see how long he can hold his breath and then probably passed out. And once again, either intentionally or unintentionally, <laughs> almost killed himself by falling into the pool. Yeah, I feel like it's more like not that he was trying to kill himself, but he, he wasn't not trying to kill himself. Right. If exactly. That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> it's negligence, right? Which is basically what will cause the death of that kid, too. Yeah. Right? Like not trying to take the actions that most would to preserve their own life. I, I was very annoyed with him, by the way. He shows up and I think that he would be humbled in some way. He's not. He's, you know, like, I'm going to do Vanity Fair covers and we got new lawyers in place. And, you know, he's back on his exact same tone. But we do see later on a scene where he breaks down. Mm-hmm. That was an amazing scene. Yeah. And you really see how much anguish he's going through. And you really the awkwardness of that freaking family my god <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly it's a really interesting scene by the way the way it's staged we see first of all that they kind of go to the this place where they can be alone the first thing i found interesting is that we see the bus boys going in and out putting the garbage out and everything <laughs> which of course is immediately echoes to the boy at shift's wedding yeah. right and maybe that's why he's so triggered by all of this feels it's too similar to to before so i like the way they're staging that and then i find it very interesting that we see shiv be very warm right which is what she portrays but of course as soon as she gets that phone call she like walks away and meanwhile roman does want to be there for I'm him sorry, you thought that was shiv being warm i think that shiv shows some empathy to him like hard disagree <laughs> In other words, she performs empathy is what I'm trying to say. But uh, yes, I don't but think it's she's such a weak performance that there is nothing behind it. It's transparent to me. Roman, I felt, was at least trying to relate in his way that yes. I, I understand is completely unhelpful. Right. But I think it came from a compassionate place. Shiv was like a robot. Like, yeah. I guess this is what I'm supposed to say. So I'll say these words. I, I didn't feel that was uh, to me. That was like painful to watch. Like. Yeah. Do not even have the human instinct to put your hand on that person's shoulder or it was painful for me. Yeah, I think we disagree a little bit in the fact that I thought that she can still read her behavior as being empathetic. But where I think we agree is that hers was more of a performance, totally. And Roman, as you know, bad as he is at it, he still tried to be there for him, right? Like legitimately, right? In, in his way. own yep dysfunctional way but it was legit but it was sincere right it was sincere and i think that's what's kind of become apparent here as especially with roman's interactions with his dad as well as messed up as he is he is sincere he just is dysfunctional he mm-hmm. cannot express himself properly mm-hmm. <laughs> shiv, is like sociopath. shiv is sociopath yes yeah but unaware of it by the way i think she still 
has this duality where she perceives herself to be a good person as long as she That's does. That's what makes it so aggravating. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, and I love, I'm very curious to follow up with uh, with Sarah. If anybody hasn't seen, listened to this, by the way, over the weekend, I dropped uh, an episode. Uh, my friend Sarah does like a psychological case study of the family. And I'm very curious to know where she's at with this now with the finale, because some of these dynamics, she talked about the kids themselves kind of plays out here. So we have a little more evidence with all of them, by the way, not just the kids, but the, the mother, when she was discussing the mother in that recap, she hadn't seen, she was like four episodes behind. It, there's a lot more evidence of it here, basically, let's say. Oh, and the other thing I was going to mention about that scene as well, you know, we obviously have Roman trying to comfort uh, Kendall in his own way, using these kind of very inappropriate jokes, which of course is his usual way. And it does break through a little bit with Kendall. No, he does start laughing towards the end. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, one waiter down, that makes sense. It took me forever to get a fucking drink at her wedding. Please, man. Okay, I, yeah. I can't hear you. You're right. No, I guess I'm just trying to say, like, who's the real victim here? I waited three quarters of an hour for a gin and tonic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in that scene, specifically, I found it very upsetting when Kendall says that he that he's not connected to anything. He doesn't feel anything with his, his kids. He doesn't feel anything with his family. He's just not feeling anything anymore. And I think that kind of speaks to him potentially having tried to commit suicide right in front of them, right? If he doesn't right. feel any yes. connection anymore. Yeah. And I mean, when he says, I'm so lonely or it's so lonely. We went into the water. And then I left him in there and ran. Okay. Uh, let's, we got to get you. Come on. Let's... It's fucking lonely. Hey. I'm all apart. Wow, that is really painful yeah. to think, right? Like that is, and I can only imagine how, how alone he must feel in this. In my conversation with Sarah, I mentioned as she was discussing some of the points in the show, I remembered in season two, when he tries to talk to his mother about it, and the mother <laughs> just wants to talk about her things, and mm -hmm. he just literally cannot get her to listen to him. And I'm like, this is so terrible. She he tells his dad, his dad blackmails him. He tries to talk to his mother and his mom. She's just like, I can't deal with your stuff right now. I have all my things going on. And he has like no one to turn to. I hate that I'm in the position of a Logan Roy defender <laughs> here. Okay. Yes, his dad blackmailed him. He also helped him cover it up. Covered it up, yes. So that he didn't get in trouble with the law. So yeah. double-edged sword on that one. Uh, the mom, though, was definitely purposefully avoiding the conversation and making it so that he would never be able to tell her. There are times that we've wondered about his character, I think, how much he was able to move on from it. And then they did a good job of reminding us, though, that it's still there for him. When his father forces him to go back and visit the family and he yeah. wants to money and like, I think this was a nice way to bring it back to like, he has been living with this every single day since it happened and right. it's torture. Exactly. Exactly. I think he uh, did a a great job there did you believe his story of how it happened i think it does go back even in i, I have to rewatch it to be certain but i do think he tried yeah. to go back in the water in my recollection of it he tries to go back in but he really can't even really get down into the water you know obviously the the car's probably completely submerged i don't think it's like a action movie where he's like going all the way down and trying to like breathe yeah. into this kid's mouth or something uh I, you know he probably just went back in and tried to look for the car you know in in the dark like i'm sure he couldn't find it and he right. just came back out again. Yeah. I think that's my recollection of it. You know, he tried to do the, the bare minimum, but he should still feel terrible about it because even if the kid grabbed the steering wheel, even if all these other things are true, you know, he was high and mm -hmm. he's in the car with like a, an 18 year old, 20 year old, yep. whatever this kid is. No, absolutely. No, <laughs> you know, absolutely. It's, like, it's negligence. Minimally, it's extreme negligence, right? So, yep. And I mean, that speaks to the whole entire family. <laughs> yes. Other great stuff, uh, you know, uh, if you have great things to discuss, uh, I have so many, but here's just some that I wanted to touch on. One was how great is Willa's face when she gets to the car after she accepts the, <laughs> the wedding, uh, the proposal? Oh, my God. How bad can it be? <laughs> Who doesn't want to hear that? <laughs> In response to when you spend your life with me. How bad could it be? Oh, my God. <laughs> that after she accepts it. She like looks to the woman who like, you know, is the valet and she just kind of smiles, half smiles at her, kind of like, huh? 
And then she gets into the car and the camera pulls in. It's like almost like something out of the office where we just see her through the crack in the door and this like deer in the headlights. She's like, uh-huh. what did I just do to myself? Oh my uh-huh. God. All right. Second question is, do you believe this, um, the matcha shakes that he's been drinking? Do you think he's trying to have another kid? Oh, that was interesting. I don't know. I mean, he definitely seemed shocked to see the green juice. I wonder if oh, I cannot retain that assistant's name to save my life. Oh, I know. Yes. Terry. Terry? No, not Terry. No, it's not Terry. No. No, Carrie, I thought, but it's oh. not Carrie. Is it like Carrie? Anyway, um, the assistant with the bangs, because you know how I yes. am on bangs. you know i wonder if maybe she is trying to influence his diet to inadvertently get pregnant i don't think he is purposefully trying to do that what do you think i think he's whatever he's doing i you know it could just be like a health uh, routine that he's on or something I, i i think he's participating in it but more interesting to me is what did you think about her interaction with marcia marcia did not seem to have like a i'm bullying the help uh, interaction with her. She seemed to have a very much like, Hey, make sure we, you know, we, I want my omelet in my room tonight, blah, blah, blah. It was very transactional, but always, but very like professional. So Mm -hmm. do you think that either this affair is not really happening or are they using her as a surrogate or something? Like what, what do you think? Hmm. I hadn't considered the surrogate thing at all. Um, there was a lot of talk about frozen <laughs> embryos and That's stuff. So it. maybe. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I did. It did occur to me last night, you know, the contrast of how she's responding to this as opposed to the whole Holly Hunter. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, 180 degrees. And I don't know. I In my head is like, does she just not feel threatened by this girl? Maybe there have been a thousand girls like this and she just looks the other way. And Holly Hunter was like something formidable that she was actually threatened by. I don't know. What's interesting with the Holly Hunter thing that you brought it up again is that he basically says like it's not sexual with her, and Marsha's like I don't even care if it's sexual or not. Like she saw like you to your point, she saw it as a threat more than that because she felt like she had become like an advisor and a confidant, which I guess right. Marsha sees that as more of a threat than just another sexual partner. Right, because remember at that birthday party, she was very offended that he had made some sort of decision without telling her. I cannot remember what it is. Yes. Maybe it was the decision to merge with the Holly Hunter company. I don't know. Right. But remember, she was like, you decided this without telling me? And she right. just stopped off. Like, she was very offended by that. Right. Her name is Carrie. Is that what your guess was? It is Carrie. Yeah, my name, my guess was Carrie. The she actress is anything like a carry. I think that's why I'm having a problem with it. But the actress's name is Zoe Winters, which first of all yeah. sounds like a stage name, which probably is. <laughs> but second of all, it seems much more appropriate. <laughs> yeah, that like girl just like a carry to me based on prior carries I have known. But OK, it is carry with a K, though. K-E-R-R-Y. So maybe that. No, I understand it's not carry. It's carry. Yeah. Carry. Yeah. But also what I thought was good, this is completely departing. The Monopoly game was great. Ship yes. is cheating. Cheating, I, is, cheating is part of the game. And also I like Connor's explosion mm-hmm. about being the eldest. I thought that was a long time coming. Yes. Um, in how he gets treated as the red-haired stepchild, black yep. sheep, whatever you want to call it. They're their little threesome, their trio. And he's an afterthought every time. And yep. for Kendall just casually say well as the eldest blah 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 yes i blame him one bit for losing it <laughs> yep, yep. that was literally my next uh, note was you know i'm the firstborn right so uh mm-hmm. exactly that, that is absolutely correct and i find it very interesting that even after that alan ruck congratulations gets to have a, a, a solid scene but um you know he has a couple of really great scenes actually in this episode mm-hmm. but more importantly is that then Shiv calls him on the phone and uh, loops him in as they're like halfway to uh, meeting up with him. Once again, like literally cut him out of the conversation again. He had a great little thing with Willa about like, yeah, I couldn't sleep because of the AC. Yeah. And you know, she just pushes him the littlest bit about, oh, it was the AC and he unloads it all. Right, right. Exactly. Which <laughs> is just so him. Yeah. How bad could it be? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, next point I have here that I thought was very good was the whole conversation between Madison and Logan. I touched on it earlier, but Madison reads Logan immediately, which I think is great. Nobody in the show ever is willing to actually have a legitimate attack on Logan. I thought this was interesting. It was almost a seduction scene between the two of them, although Madison's like maybe Asperger's-y, so it's his version of seduction, right? And it's Madison, I think. Madison? Yeah, I think it's Madison, yeah. But I like the fact that he reads Logan immediately. 
in that he says, you're bored. <laughs> yeah. And Logan kind of just says, like, you know, no one ever tells him that. You know, he comes in there with his usual bluster. Yeah. He sounds like Kendall here, right? He's like, get a lot of churn on your subscribers, which is something that, like, by the way, Netflix used to have a big problem with that earlier on, although they've become much more stable with their subscriber base now. But still, you know, we're more well, stable. Everyone finally found their network that they're going to share their password with. So there's no need. To- <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> right. Um, or they lock down the number of devices with which you can have like, logged into at the same time. So probably another way to get their subscribers up. Although I think like 75, 80% of America has Netflix at this point. So I think they pretty much can't get any more market share than they already have. Wow. So I think it's interesting that he calls them out and says, you're bored. And I don't know how interested you are in the business anymore. And he's like basically dissecting him, right? And uh, And Logan really doesn't have anything to say back at him. I guess people don't tell him these things, which they're just too afraid of him. But it's interesting to see him just pick him apart and Logan doesn't have anything to say. And then he goes, well, how about this? I come in, I buy you. I give you probably similar to the Disney deal. Disney, they actually broke off the businesses. They actually sold off those that chunk of the business, basically made themselves smaller. But in this case, it looks like what they would probably do is the company would still exist, but it would be owned by this content uh, streamer uh, um, service. And then like, you know, probably the newspaper or something like he says, like, you know, you're still the figurehead. You're still on paper. You run some part of the business. I assume it's going to be the newspaper, the news part of the business. That's my guess Mm -hmm. for next season, because he only wants their content. He doesn't really care about the rest of the stuff. And I think that that is probably going to be the structure. And Logan's like, hey, look, I get out. I get to look good. I get the cash out. Mm -hmm. And he sends Roman off. (laughs) Of course, he uh, do you think Madison like played? Roman this whole time, like, because they, they blew off that meeting with Logan originally, and then he brings Roman in on it. And then like, do you think this was all a play from the beginning with him? Or is he's just kind of, you know, he's just a poker player who's just playing his cards? Maybe not the initial overtures back and forth. Yeah, I feel like maybe he was like playing a little game in that last episode with the emojis, whatever, like, could I get my market cap to go up and maybe right, reverse right. where this deal is going to go? Oh, I can't. Right. You know, like, okay, so maybe let's see how that plays out. You know, right. that's how I'm seeing it. I think so, too. I think it's more like playing cards. Like you said, that first he's like, I'm not interested in this. I don't want to get into media. It's baloney. And they're kind of toxic. Their brand is kind of toxic. And then, you know, Roman makes that overture and he goes, well, if he's willing to make an acquisition, maybe now I could push it to 50-50. And then once he gets that 50-50, he's like, well, what if I buy you guys? Like, you know, what if we're uh, more than 50? 50? Yeah. And it all worked out, apparently. All right, the next thing I want to talk about, the Greg and Tom dynamic, once again, these like two peas in a pod, where Mm -hmm. Tom says, You could be heading away from the endless middle and towards the bottom of the top. The bottom of the top? And could I get my own, my own, like... Your own Greg? Yeah. You can have 20. Do you want a deal with the devil? What am I going to do with a soul anyways? Souls are boring. (laughs) Boo, souls. (laughs) Of course. But what did you think about this scene? And when you, when he first said, make a deal with the devil, what do you think was happening? I did not yet suspect that Tom had this double deal going on. Yep. So I thought it was just like the, um, the coup kind of, right? Like the overthrow of it. I thought is what he was referring to as the the devil, like not being loyal to Logan. Mm -hmm. I read it very superficially that way. But I also felt, I think Greg has maybe now learned to not show his cards. Right. And so even though he did make that deal, I felt like Greg in his head was thinking, or I'll back out of it if I have to. You know, like I'll see what this is about. And if it works for me, great. And if not, what are they going to do to me? That's kind of how I saw it. Speaking of that, the initiator to the conversation with Tom and Greg is that he apparently is making the moves on the uh, Contessa slash Princess slash Yogurt Influencer. That's and, right. And uh, he's very proud of himself there. But I also like that he speaks up for himself. Uh, you know, he's usually intimidated by the family members. But when Roman says, oh, don't talk to this guy, don't talk to this guy, he says, it's very well known that you're a well-known sexual pervert. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, speaking of that is, uh, oh my God, Shiv taunting Roman about a sexual dysfunction the whole oh, entire episode, including when his mom's walking down the aisle. Yes, that oh was dark. God. 
That's very, but very also, good. can I ask you, I have a hard time keeping track of fashion these days ever since lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a really hard time p- keeping track of men's fashion. But are Roman's shirts not too tight? He's always worn these fitted shirts. And like I don't the know. The buttons yeah. look like mm-hmm. they're about to burst. Yeah. And I understand the, the appeal of a fitted shirt. Believe yeah. me, I get it. And a man with a nicely fitted shirt looks good. But this looks like a little too small to me, you know? You want to know what I think is happening here? I think the costume designers are trying to do something. I mean, costume designers are always helping design the characters, to be honest with you. I, I think it's, I always forget about that. You know, this is a total side note, but Guillermo del Toro, who has a movie coming out this week, by the way, which I will be reviewing later, <laughs> just another commercial. But um, <laughs> but he says something very interesting where he said that his, uh, he says that the set decorator and the fashion designer are really, really important to a film. And someone was questioning him about that going, really, why is that so important? And he goes, when you meet a character, is his shirt rumpled or clean? Does he have dirt on it? Did he button it all the way up? So in other <laughs> words, the way someone presents themselves is very important to how you perceive them. So that's all handled by these people who do the, the designing of the sets, of course, the locations, which of course say something as well as what the people are wearing. So all that being said, I think they're trying to say something here because when I wear a fitted shirt, by the way, if I put my hands on my hips and I put my elbows behind my back, that shirt is going, the buttons are going to open up. Like I, That's you, you can't wear a fitted shirt and then act yes. the way he does. And That's I think, true. And I think they're saying something there that he's wearing the fitted shirt because he wants to look stylish. You know, he doesn't look like Kendall, who Mm -hmm. looks all rumpled. He actually is wearing these fitted shirts. Someone bought them. They're probably very expensive clothes. But the way he's wearing it, it's like he's not caring about his presentation because, like we said before, he's twitching and he's arms all the way back like like a a chicken, like caught by by the wings. He like he looks um, yeah, spazzy guy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, you know, and it shows in the fact that here's this guy who, you know, to wear a fitted shirt, you need to basically stand like a model, you don't twitch yeah. and flail your arms around right. because you, you put your hands up over your head, your shirt's going to yeah. get untucked. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot. Of, and I think that that is what they're presenting there in a way. But I totally agree. It's become more pronounced as the season goes on, because I think he's becoming more discombobulated, right? <laughs> more unhinged. No, I really noticed it last night. I yes. was kind of wow, what is happening with that, um, like that plum colored shirt? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of once again, just to harp on this one more time, following up on Shiv, you know, taunting him relentlessly about that. And then the wedding scene and then Logan and Roman together on the boat. And he goes, Hey, that's a good looking woman over there. Right. And of course, Roman's not even looking at her. <laughs> and then Logan, what an uncomfortable conversation to have with your dad. So what is it, son? Are you scared of pussy? Is it all screens are up the ass with you or what? Jesus, no, God damn. Can we not that's it's that was just being horrible. It's good. It's all good. Yeah, well it's just fucking. If you need to get straightened out, get straightened out. Okay? Yep. I don't wanna know. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, no one wants to have that conversation with their dad, I don't think, but yeah, ever, ever, particularly right. uncomfortable here. Yes. <laughs> but it's like, this is, this is Logan's version of, of trying to have that conversation, you know, following yes. up, following up on the, the dick pic <laughs> fiasco last week. <laughs> of course, the last thing I want to discuss here on these high notes is this incredible, like very Godfather-esque final scene where Logan's walking out of the room, pets, Tom on the <laughs> shoulder. Tom mm-hmm. walks inside and, you know, this actress, uh, Sarah Snook, when she's just like sleeping with the enemy, right? Just that, that panic on her face, realizing what's happened, you know, and she's like turns her face away and she's pretending like this is all okay. And then he comes up behind her. That's the end of the season right there on her face. That moment, the realization that Tom has done this to her and he's just playing it off. Hey, honey, how are you feeling? What's wrong? You know, it's, it's, it's so devastatingly evil in a way. I agree. This is excellent acting by Sarah Snook there because you could really um, see it on her face that she was processing everything that had happened. Yeah, it's crazy. There's a two things that I didn't like about this episode that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Maybe three. One is I didn't like the way they kind of had that fake out with the death last week, which I know that probably the media blew that out of proportion. So in a way, it was like me drinking the Kool-Aid over the course of this week. 
mm-hmm. that it made mm-hmm. the way they just dismissed it at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. Once again, it rubbed me the wrong way. But of course, that was on me because only because I had this week of anticipation, right? Which mm-hmm. probably, you know, if you were binging it, it probably wouldn't matter at all. But right. uh, it rubbed me the wrong way in, in in appreciating the episode. Understood. The second thing is as good as moments of that whole sequence where the siblings are playing out the dynamic and parts of it I really like. You get to see probably what their dynamic has been throughout their childhood. This is how Roman deflects. This is how Shiv reacts. This is how Kendall's probably overly sensitive in some places or how he you know, is almost manic at some places and the depressed at others. You were seeing that dynamic play out, but I feel like that scene was trying to hit those notes so hard. I, for me, it just went on too long. It was like, they should have tightened that up. It would have been much more powerful. That's my personal opinion. You thought that went on too long? Really? I, I really enjoyed that. I did, but mm. I, I know it just felt too much. I, it felt a little too many of the same um, uh, notes there. Okay. Uh, one thing that I, I skipped, but I did like very much, by the way, was I liked earlier when they're all, when the siblings are there, the scene, we talked about how Connor got upset when yes he was neglected as the firstborn. To their credit, they're all kind of saying, look, we are worried about you, right? In their yes. own messed up ways, right? Yes. <clears throat> Probably the most earnest one is Connor. Connor is not caught up in this, yeah. bull, this psychosis <laughs> that they're all in, right? Yes. So he's just kind of like, hey, I don't want to see you die. <laughs> he just says yeah. it like that. Yeah. And uh, Roman's like, ah, you know, I don't, you know, like I, it would be better if you're not dead than if you are dead. <laughs> so not, not the best way. But I liked when she's like saying like, look, we all know what's happening. And uh, she goes, you're an addict. This was, I thought, very incisive yeah. when she basically says you're addicted to everything, drugs and sex and, you know, and everything all the way down the line. And she goes, and you're addicted to this. You're de- addicted to the family dynamic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I thought that was very interesting that she <laughs> diagnosed him perfectly <laughs> at that moment. Yeah, not a very self-aware person, but very able to criticize others. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I mean, which, <laughs> which, by the way, I find to be often the case. So not necessarily, <laughs> you know, criticizing that at all. Oh, and the last thing, and, and this is once again, only something I'm thinking about because, you know, we've been looking at the titles of the episode. I feel this is in a way kind of like a head fake, which annoys me a little bit with the show. The, the title of the episode, All the Bells Say. And uh, this is from a poem. It's called Dream Song Number uh, Dream Song 29 uh, by John Berryman. I guess I'll just read it because it's pretty short. <clears throat> there sat down once a thing on Henry's heart, so heavy, if he had a hundred years and more and weeping, sleepless in all of them, Henry could not make good. So this character, the protagonist in this poem, is, uh, you know, has, is very heavy hearted with something mm-hmm. that he has done, right? He can't get over, right? And then it says, starts again, always in Henry's ears, the little cough somewhere, an odor, a chime, right? That's the bells chiming, right? Mm-hmm. And there's another thing he has in mind, like a grave Sienese face, a thousand years would fail to blur the still profiled approach of ghastly with open eyes. He attends blind. All the bells say too late, right? Okay. So it's too late, but their act- actions are too late, right? And then it says, the very last sentence of this stanza is this is not for tears which is the name of the finale last season so two mm-hmm. times we're making references to this very poem right who wrote this poem john berryman okay so all the bells say too late this is not for tears thinking right so this is still the protagonist thinking but here's the last part but never did henry as he thought he did end anyone and hacks her body up and hides the pieces where they may be found. He knows he went over everyone and nobody's missing. Often he reckons in the dawn, them up, nobody is ever missing. So this guy is guilty, feeling guilty for this murder in his mind that isn't real, right? So we have two season finales referencing this specific poem. I don't know if you have an interpretation on any of that. (laughs) It's all making me roll my eyes. I don't know. I mean, listen, I'm not going to say I'm an intellectual, but this type of stuff, it just makes me, it feels very, um, I don't care. I don't care for it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, this, this is why I have it in my, I did not like side of the argument, right? So I had the things I did like. This is something I didn't like because I, you know, maybe overreading this anyway, before I looked at the, before I watched the episode, I had actually researched this um, poem and realized, okay, well, we're making two references to this. It's about someone feeling guilt over a death. Someone's heavy heart because of this. 
the fact that it's like, oh, this this is not for tears or, you know, uh, the, the bell say, all the bells say, um, and, you know, we're talking about this uh, potential murder that this person's committed or they perceive themselves to have committed. And then it's just like, it's really about Logan selling the business to, <laughs> to Madison. I'm like, well what, well, what did this title have to do with anything? It almost feels like the only purpose it serves is to, as a, as a trick, right, as a head fake, because this whole season of him, of uh, Kendall, you know, with the weight of this, uh, you know, eating away at him little by little. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, let's circle back to it. But that's not what the episode's about at all, <laughs> really. Yeah. I mean, about barely. I mean, it is slightly about it, but barely. All right, so the last thing I want to talk about, obviously, there's going to be another season of the show. What's going to happen? Like, this is a big shakeup for the entire dynamic of every single character in this show, right? So do you have any ideas of either what you think might happen or what you'd like to see happen? I have no idea of what I think will happen. I'm not even sure what I would like to see happen, but what I'm most interested in seeing happen is the dynamic between Shiv and Tom. Yes. And I want to see what happens to that marriage now that he has um, full out, you know, thrown this grenade into it and how she deals with it, how he deals with it whether they are going to try and put the pieces back together or go their separate ways. I'm very interested to see how that specific thing plays out. How about you? Yeah, I think that's the one I am mostly, that's the biggest question mark I have. You know, my guesses I put down, like just guesses of where I think I am, you know, Logan's going to be the figurehead probably of the news business. Um, He's going to be butting heads with Madison. Madison's probably going to be saying things like, if they're pushing this fascist or something, it's like, look, you're hurting our brand. You're going to make the, our, IP toxic, you know, so I can imagine that Logan's not going to be happy with Madison really calling the shots and uh, Logan's probably going to keep pushing things in a negative direction. That's... You just can't get that eye out of Madison, can you? <laughs> I keep saying that, right? I keep saying it. Well, it's in my notes too, so I'm like reading it off the page, right? Madison, there we go, Madison. Roman, I think, is going to try to leverage these angles he's worked out with Matson and Mencken and his dad. And he's- I was about to say, certainly that election is going to come yes. into play, right? Oh, yeah. So absolutely we expect to maybe see more of that character. And then what I really hope to see, by the way, is from a Kendall perspective, there's hints of it here in this episode. You know, they drag him in, but there are moments when they're like talking about the more of these political maneuvers and Kendall just kind of is rolling his eyes. I really do hope, I really do hope that this is maybe the end of the line for him in that regard where we see Kendall and he's like, I'm not in for this BS. Like, I I don't know what he's doing. I don't know if he is rapping. (laughs) I don't know if he's with Naomi. He's, uh, you know, trying to build like something of his own, maybe failing miserably at it, like maybe starting some kind of media brand and it's a disaster. I would just like to see him like trying to go out on his own and do something, Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. if it's a disaster, right? It'd be entertaining Mm -hmm. to watch, right? What I do not want to see, honestly, is him trying to like do another go at his dad. I'm not interested in seeing that anymore. Right. Agree. Shiv, if you took a wild stab at her going back to political consulting, who do you think she's going to consult for? Are you asking me to come up with a hypothetical character or? Oh, I mean, anybody. I mean, potentially someone we've seen on the show, maybe. Like, obviously not not Mencken, right? Absolutely not. She finds him so repellent. And the idea she has of herself is not a person that would do that. I was wondering, remember that guy who was saying, uh, once again, they showed it in the previously on, not in this episode, the last episode, even though it didn't seem to correlate to the, the show at all where that guy said, hey, if you get me elected, that I'll yep. kill your father, basically. Yep. So that's I wonder, a good choice. Yeah. So I wonder if that plays out. Yeah, that's a good choice. That would be my guess. I think the writers probably haven't decided. You know, they probably have not even started writing this show. Yeah. But, uh, prob- but I think they leave those things out there. So there's could be you know, something. Yeah. And the other thing, of course, with Shiv, like you said, is where is Shiv and Tom? Like a very, mm-hmm. very, very mm-hmm. curious to see. Are they like living together? And there's this toxic pretending mm-hmm. that nothing's going on the whole time like wow that would be horrible to watch but entertaining to watch <laughs> insane yes <laughs> yes exactly what's up with greg you think he's going to be in the relationship with this girl oh i don't know i think greg now has like a taste for social climbing i bet he'll yes. uh, you the know date ladder. yeah the date ladder yeah exactly he's <laughs> gonna keep his way up the date ladder i think that's <laughs> speculation on greg how about Connor? Is Connor trying to be, be someone's VP pick? He's trying to get like a little contingency. Oh, I think he's the type of guy that like gets super into something for a little while yeah. and then dismisses it. And it's like, it never happened. That's my guess. 
And of course, they'll be married to Willa potentially. So that's crazy. Yes. Or you mean, I doubt they'll get you married. The show doesn't move that fast. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Six weeks later. <laughs> exactly. The next season will be like a one week entire period. <laughs> so my galaxy brain take on the whole thing is that Logan gets bored with his position. And then he decides that the only way to take out Matson is to <laughs> team up with the kids <laughs> to coalesce power. And then the whole family gets together. They, you know, have a big kumbaya. They work out their family relationships. They unify, take out Matson, reclaim the throne. And uh, basically the entire country becomes like a fascist um, a nightmare. And uh, everybody loses except for the family. It's a happy ending for them, and unhappy ending for the rest of America and the world. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the finale of the show for me. <laughs> the world on fire. The world on fire, and they're like a happy. They fixed all their interdynamics problems. <laughs> but they all get along. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's the trade-off we have to have for them to be happy. We all have to die. Yes, seems fair. Yeah, it's only fair. Yeah. So what I was going to announce now was what we're going to watch next. We will continue to be watching Dexter and recapping that Dexter New Blood, which will be running for the next few weeks, four weeks, I believe. Beyond that, at the end of January, there is a show coming to Apple Plus called The After Party. And this show, very interesting premise. It's from Lord and Miller, who are the producers, writers who rebooted 21 Jump Street and they made the Lego movies. And they've also uh, did the Spider-Verse movie, which was all huge successes they've had. But they're also very funny writers. And this show, since very interesting, kind of up our alley, a comedy mystery. Sona, enjoy this all-star cast and it's a class reunion and at a class reunion somebody dies and what the show is is an investigation as to what happened that night a comedic one but each episode is from a different character's perspective and it's what they saw that night and it's in a different genre so one's a comedy one's an action movie one's a horror movie and and basically over the course of the show we we as the viewers are watching these very different versions of the story trying to figure out what's happening so i think that's going to be very very interesting sounds great i hope it's as good as it sounds on paper <laughs> <laughs> but lord and miller like i said have had almost a perfect track record so i'm pretty sure they're gonna put something together that should be fun to watch and beyond that i will be watching search party on hbo max if anybody has not watched search party I do recommend it. It's coming back early in January. Uh, Sona, if you want to participate on this as well. but Yeah, I'll try and catch up. Kim is a huge fan of Search Party, so she's definitely going to watch it. By the way, another show where the characters are all extremely unlikable <laughs> and also very, very funny and a lot of social criticism all baked in there. Very short episodes, only like 20 minutes long, so very easy to binge. I think there are three seasons so far, and this will be the fourth. A lot of fun. And a comedy mystery. So if you watched Only Murders in the Building and you want something that's in the same vein, by the way, although the characters are likable in Only Murders in the Building, the characters <laughs> here are extremely unlikable, but in a very, very entertaining way. So very much a good uh, um, follow-up to uh, Succession, actually. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. Talk to you later.